0: From TMP to TTNG For sure the cure and those tired meme jeans Hella Kinsella and the promise ring Sunny day real estate and rights this spring Prince Twinkle Daddy's help keep the dream alive I constantly thank God for Algernon And Remo Christie from drive. Mineral snowing high-tide hotelier and more. Rio Limo only consists of the DC emotive hardcore.
1: everyone episode 12 of the e-word this is kyle and i'm joined by ellie and it's just the two of us on this one ellie how are you doing we've
2: just recorded our interview with shannon from awake but still in bed i'm pretty stoked with how that interview turned out i think it went really well and this episode is one that i'm for because i don't think we've ever like uh definitely not like talked about ourselves right this way so
1: so we're we're calling this one the mental health slash relationship episode. Me and you were just kind of talking about the podcast and whatnot, and we we don't really talk about ourselves that much, and that's kind of like a podcast thing I guess is that you know you kind of develop your relationship with the podcast. I feel like a lot of podcasters love to talk about their lives and stuff, and that's something that we haven't done. So I guess... We're, not, we're definitely
2: not like uh, WTF with Mark Marin. No, you know?
1: not at all. And then I I kind of kicked around the idea of like, I feel like we should do a mental health episode because, you know, emo and mental health, people associate those two things. And then so we just kind of put together this episode to kind of give a little bit of a peek into our lives, kind of in a heavy way. Um, but also... Yeah.
2: And I, I think I... I was also the one who was like, I kind of want to do an episode that's like love line, Yeah. <laughs> that old show that Adam Carolla used to do. Just kind of like give advice and stuff. want to like add that in for a little bit of levity but also just because I think relationships also tie in heavily to mental health. Yeah,
1: for sure. So how we're going about this is we put out a, a call for questions um, and topics. We have a good deal of them. We got like nine total uh so we're gonna do that and that's gonna be the main part of the episode but we are gonna do a little bit of follow-up we're gonna do a little bit of what we've been listening to and a little bit of um and just like a very quick upvote downvote segment but at the top of the episode here i do want to say review us on itunes i feel like we've just got that (laughs) one hanging out there but we have a lot like the plays have been up Uh, We just did our freshman class episode, and that was huge. It got spread around a lot, so if this is your first time listening, um, besides that, welcome. But yeah, just please give us a a review on iTunes. That shit matters. So do that if you can. Uh, Thank you if you do.
2: I was just going to say, what a great way to introduce people after the last episode. is like a super heavy episode. (laughs) I know.
1: People are going to think we're like...
2: Just so miserable, all yeah, the time. <laughs> basically
1: that's that's gonna be the takeaway. um we're on Twitter at the eword podcast. Our email is the pod at gmail dot com. Uh, taking your questions and comments in there. Um, I did start a Facebook page for the podcast. We have six likes. um that's what I expected. Uh, you know, if you like us on Facebook, that would be great. I just don't expect you to see anything because. Uh, they want us to pay
2: to be seen on Facebook. My blog, my blog has like two hundred likes, and they're always like, "Yeah, we want you to pay like ten dollars to boost this so a thousand people can see it." And I'm like, "Eh, yeah." <laughs> I feel like if people want to, if people want to see it, they'll see it.
1: Yeah, I mean it would be great to have facebook likes to make us look good even though you won't see it so if you want to give us a like i'm pretty sure just just search the e-word and you'll find it and all that stuff uh but anyways buy some likes. yeah yeah we're gonna buy some yeah. likes so that's it for plugging that shit uh so let's get into episode 10 follow-up um that would have been the freshman class episode i do have a note here to a follow-up on the whole me questioning why the fuck is Liam in, ca- in, in, in a Commander Salamander playing bass in all the pictures because he's a drummer, and I guess they do one song where Liam screams and plays bass, so very, very breaking
2: you're not there. You're not Ramona Flowers You're li- Your Knives Chow, that song But on the EP is very laid-back but the version they play live is super scramsy, so, so that's why
1: um, Also want to address the complete influx of comments that were um cu space cowboy are not emo what the fuck are they doing on this list so ellie this is your forte
2: they are part of the screamo scene like that's that's just like frank in the same way that people if you suggest that remo drive or pine grove in like like the conversation as far as far as like emo bands go same way with Sea Space Cowboy because they're part of the scene. Everyone who likes Space Cowboy is just—it kind of seems silly to exclude them to me.
1: The whole thing of like their metalcore, like, i don't... Eh. yeah, yeah, I'm metalcore influence, sure. Otherwise, are are you like stoked on the list? Are you happy? Um, did you see anything else out there people talking about?
2: Mostly just uh, another thing that that we're we're going to address that you have in the rundown about the how diverse the list is. Yeah. Just a couple people talking about that. I thought I thought it was cool. It was like I didn't even think about. No. You know? I didn't either. And I think that's honestly awesome.
1: Yeah. Let's do what we've been listening to first. Um do you want to go first?
2: Um Nas Illmatic, Only Illmatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh Sorry. Are
1: you um, excited for the for the Kanye-produced Nas?
2: Oh, I, I'm excited about it because I just listened to the Kid See Ghosts album, the yeah. Kanye-Kid Cudi collab. Yeah, it's good, right? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was so much better than Solo. Blew it out of the water. Yeah. Um, I listened to the, the Most Def Ted Leap, uh, Dr. Octagon, the first Dr. Octagon album, M.O.P., Annie Up that had the remix with Busta Rhymes that song's my shit such a good song um, such a good song and just like all that old, like Onyx and Brand Nubian all that stuff I've also been listening to Man is the Bastard <laughs> Thoughtless is really creative power violence weird power electronic noise uh, Shy Hulud, the first Shy Hulud album is always going to be a favorite of mine. Uh, some newer hardcore Cast in Blood which is like Bullet for My Valentine except they're actually good at writing songs uh, uh, Cast You Down and Servitude who are just like uh, 90s metalcore revival and as far as emo goes some, uh, some unreleased material the new CU Space Cowboy LP is going to be fucking amazing New Letters to Catalonia LP is going to be fucking amazing and the new Origami Angel is going to be absolutely incredible it's not even counting Commander Salamander their LP is gonna be next level.
1: Sweet. I've been listening to nothing really riveting. I've been uh, I've listened listening to High Tide Hotel a lot. That first High Tide Hotel record. I feel like that like missed me when it first came out. I would say that's Emo Re- Revival Canon for sure. I've also been listening to Castavet Summer Fences, great album. I like but...
2: Castavet because they they incorporate post rock and like like they're not just crescendo core. They right. have like really interesting song structure.
1: There's totally just like a ceiling to um, crescendo core, and it's and it's fairly low. The cast of it, I feel like, are not a part of that. Um, Listen to Choking Victim and uh, Morning Glory because. Oh, okay. I am getting ready for Scott to be cool again. All right, I feel like that's been a battle on. Cool again. You are uh, cutting out, and and I feel like we're getting ready to fight.
2: (laughs) I was saying, if Scott becomes cool again, it's not going to be those fucking like summer squatter crust fund kids.
1: <laughs> them well, back. no, that's true, but I feel like that stuff is always fun to come back to.
2: I think, I think if Scott does become cool again, like the bands people are going to look back on are thing like the Hippos. I think people are going to be stoked on the Hippos when the Scott. I don't even know about that. I feel like that's. I think like
1: Big D and the Kids Table, maybe like Scott Punk becomes a little cool or something i don't know just like it's gonna you know, be a ska punk
2: revival not a ska revival yeah it's
1: like it's it's like not gonna be like the checkered pattern real some, real big yeah, uh, fish fans and stuff but um so we can move on to this quick upvote downvote segment um there's there there hasn't there's not really much to talk about um so we're just gonna kind of blow through this quick but um i don't think we even need to talk about this much beyond just
2: fuck McCafferty, right you have no idea how much joy it brought me to, to ban Nick Cafferty from the subreddit. <laughs> I, I perma-banned the lead singer of an extremely popular emo band because he could, he was, like, accusing people of being SJWs and bullying him. And he, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but he deliberated Alex from Chatterbot Records, like, yeah. three times. Yeah. That's disgusting. So I'm hoping to take a break from his social media addiction. Or whatever it is And chill himself out I And apparently He like Originally quit the band To be a teacher I just said If he's the teacher I can't imagine Like how What his class is like Like if a kid Asks a question He's gonna be like Stop bullying me (laughs) Excuse me I think of Pythagorean theorem Is actually A squared Plus B squared Equals uh, Stop bullying me You little (laughs) SJW Do we need to give A little more context Or If you're listening To this podcast You're probably aware Yeah But basically... And, like, I don't want to... I don't want to give fucking McCafferty any more. You can explain it if you'd like.
1: First of all, they, like... They, like, came back and saying, Hey, we're making new music again. We're not broken up and stuff. And then people started saying stuff. And then he got in the comments. And then uh, someone came forward that worked with the band and outlined and provided evidence of um, their tumultuous relationship and him really being just unwell. I don't... I, like, want to say him being psychotic, but he clearly has some issues. He can't exist like that. It's not good for anyone.
2: It's just really depressing.
1: Yeah. And uh, that perfectly ties into the theme of our episode. Exactly. The other big news is that the new Mom Jeans album, Puppy Love, got announced. It'll be coming out this summer, I think July 3rd, on uh, back on Counterintuitive Records. Um and it leaked (laughs) uh yeah it leaked on fucking deezer of all places yeah i have heard it i'm pretty sure we're gonna do a proper review of this when it comes out or around the time it comes out so i i kind of want to gauge your interest or excitement or any uh predictions about the album
2: i know it's gonna be way twinkly like way more technical from what people are saying would you say that's accurate li- after you've listened to the record or I would agree with that yeah um, and
1: I do think it's a, for lack of better word it is a little bit more I think it fits more into the emo world than best buds it's certainly something that they can even like blow up more on uh, we'll see I guess is <laughs> yeah. blowing up even more so anything else on puppy love
2: I don't know. How, I don't know. Like, if I'm actually even really excited for them.
1: I'm excited for people that are excited for it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to be the one that's like, "Oh, I'm glad your album leaked, and I don't like this band." I'm going to let the people that are stoked on mom jeans
2: <laughs> have fun. I'm going to stay in my I'm own gonna, lane. I'm just going to say. I'm just going to say. I hope it sounds more like the graduating. The grad life split is the best thing they've ever done. I agree.
1: So this is hardly news but it's kind of crazy uh, some kind of Cadwalder came out 10 years ago last week and people were saying oh the emo revival turned 10 years old um, first of all how'd that come out 10 years ago second of all um, do, you, do you also see this album as the beginning of the emo re- revival
2: absolutely not Oh, <laughs> um, excellent album do not get me wrong I love this record dearly if you want to subscribe to the narrative of the emo revival, which I don't, but if you do started two or three years before this record came out with uh, demo and street smart cyclists doing their demo, 2006, I think was more of starting space for the revival. I think I think some kind of Capwala is like popular revival record it's the earliest flash but the revival is definitely like an active thing bubbling for this because
1: yeah I mean the demos came out before that of course but still I think it's like a landmark like, album 05. yeah I mean it's, yeah. it's 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 definitely like the landmark album of the beginning or yeah of like the first couple of years or
2: or whatever um yeah it's it's definitely like as far as early emo revival sound goes as far as like just captain jazz ripoff mm-hmm. it's the cream of the crop for that for sure yeah
1: also i'm pretty sure we established this on the on the podcast but uh i think we're both on the same page that paraflies is the best cadwallader work
2: paraflies is superior yeah um i'm gonna do Parrotfly a twitter poll just on that paraflies has better like stronger standout tracks yeah, if it kills me, is the best song that they ever did.
1: Also, am I wrong? But doesn't Parrotflies only have one guitar on it, and then uh, some kind of cat? cat has two. No, no,
2: Parrotflies definitely has multiple guitar on
1: it. Also, just wanted to get your take on the Twitter account that's huge within the emo world right now. This band fucks.
2: I do follow this band. Fucks I hate the slang of this. This song fucks. Like, I think that's... It's just, like, the next evolution of this slaps, or exactly. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I guess saying I hate it is a little strong. It just seems like... But I guess that's why it's funny. Is, is this page, like, a tastemaker now, do you think? That's what I'm kind of, like, noticing. A little bit of hype once this fan fucks, says that they fuck.
1: I mean, <laughs> I think what we need is to someone say, yo, does the E-word fuck, and then... And then they're gonna say, yo, the E word fucks, and then we're probably gonna see a spike in listenership. So someone else needs to make say, that happen. E word makes
2: love, actually. I don't think I don't think we go in hard enough to fuck. Right. I think we, we got like a back massage thing going on.
1: I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole, but yeah. Um <laughs> uh so we're also gonna take a song break right here. A really good band got in touch and i'm stoked to find out about them i mean i'm sure you're aware of them but the band i feel fine and Mm -hmm. uh yeah we're gonna play the song uh bleach community right here (laughs)
2: I would say that I feel fine fucks. Yeah. I w- I would say that that song it fucks. yeah and I think the band as a whole they fuck.
1: Yeah. All right. So thank you to I feel fine for getting in touch. As always if you are in a band and you want your song to be played on the podcast or want or just want us to listen. I I I've listened to everything that people have sent us. Maybe we'll even start playing two songs in an episode we can Bookend the episode, just play out with the song. I don't know. You know, just... so
2: there have been a couple people who are like, We want more music. Really? And yeah. All right. Like, yeah. i play more songs. And it's so hard to not take that as a blow to my ego.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the point where, where we're going to get into the mental health and relationships uh, part of this podcast. Um, I do want to get it out of the way that of course we're not professionals what we say is not to be I'm, I'm not saying not to be taken seriously but just know that like
2: it sh- should not be taken as like medical advice yeah yeah We're not the be all and to share our experiences and
1: kind of an overview on what we're going to be talking about um and how it kind of came to be i mean there there's been like a few topics that have popped up on on the sub and it's not a lot but people have been talking about like me- mental health and its relationship to to the genre and i feel like there is a bigger conversation there and we can get into it a lot of our questions kind of touched on that so we're going to get on to that also as we talked about at the top of the podcast we want to open up a little bit more so we're going to talk about our experiences with mental health and also with relationships we want to help people i mean people came to us with really personal things um and i mean just hearing these and just seeing them come in like it makes me feel less alone that i've had these like i have shared a lot of these experiences and that's like good to hear um Uh, yeah
2: when you were like sharing some some of them with me i was i was literally telling you this hits home yeah like shit is like really happy and i'm sure like audience can relate to a lot
1: of it yeah um so that's kind of what we're gonna get into but from the top let's both kind of go over our history with mental health um with what you want to share i mean i'm also gonna say here like i am be talking about things i've probably talked to about like two people in my life because i'm like well here like what do you say that you're pretty private about your life and and or your mental health
2: in general, I do prefer to under wraps because, unfortunately, there's a huge stigma around it, and I don't want to get, like, looked at funny, mm-hmm. you know? Like, part of it should be, oh, I should be more open about this so that people can see, like, I'm not contagious or whatever. Like, my crazy isn't going to rub off on you. But, like, mostly a functional person, and I have, like, a pen. As of right now, I think I'm doing... It's it still is like always in the back of my mind that I don't want people to prejudge me for my problems with mental health. So yeah, I would I would also say that I'm fairly private. Yeah, barring, I am. Barring barring occasions where I have to be public about it.
1: Yeah. Um, I for some reason am very private about it. Like, I don't really have many friends that get deep like this. I mean, for 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 one, I hang out with a lot of dirt bags that really like don't fucking talk about stuff like this. But I do have a f- yeah, few I, friends uh, that I I might have confided in in my worst times. But otherwise, that like it's literally less than five people that have known my history
2: with with mental health. I like I have I have some really close friends that obviously I've talked to people about it who I. Uh, who, uh, like, my mental health has affected them and I needed to talk to them about it, sure. but um, for the most part, similar to you, I have scumbag friends to the point where, like, whenever I'm people who aren't in, like, the hardcore scene, I'm considered the scumbag friend of the group. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you guys should meet some some of the friends I go to shows with. <laughs> rather, don't. Um, I also lovingly say dirtbag friends. Exactly. I'm, ta- I'm talking about, like, the type of scumbag bags who like ride or die for you
1: so all right ellie do you want to give us a little history okay so
2: uh i should maybe just start off with uh diagnoses okay just things that i've I've been diagnosed with um when i was six years old i was diagnosed with asperger's syndrome which uh, i believe was i was not like a super socially competent kid like I was very extroverted but I wasn't like good at making friends and I, I had like a tendency of being obsessed with things but it uh, it never like manifested as, a, as an adult like I, I think that was like a diagnosis I grew out of but um, uh, the main thing is a type 2 bipolar disorder and comorbid with that there's uh, this thing called unwanted thought syndrome, which is a type of OCD, as well as just generalized anxiety disorder. And uh, these two are kind of like linked, D and oppositional defiant disorder. Those are all the things that, that are wrong with me.
1: <laughs> are you medicated for anything?
2: Like, for, like right now, I've just been uh, doing generally okay with uh kind of like like self therapy and coping habits but i know since i'm leaving uh the state that i've been in for the past several years and moving to an entirely new state i need to uh be back on medication and that's i probably shouldn't be off it right now <laughs> i've been doing as like as well as if that makes sense I'm like i'm functional i haven't had like a meltdown in a while like I, as far as like specific mental health stuff goes um, ADHD and oppositional defiant disorder that's something that obviously was like noticeable from when I was a kid and I have huge issues with authority um, like arguing is something that like I don't even mean to do it just kind of comes naturally like I have to consciously make myself stop fighting people because like my instinct is to go against what people are telling me to do mm mm-hmm. And, you know, as uh, and the, the anxiety uh, started to become more pronounced, difficult for me, uh, I made it through just, because, just via being in the hardcore scene. Um, and then my freshman year of college, I went to, I don't want to name the school because I'm probably going to make it look bad. I'm sure if you know the area, you figure this out. But I went to an art school in Chicago and had a really bad So that was exacerbated by relationship issues I was having at the time. I got put on suicide watch. My, uh, who was assigned to me, uh, never checked up on me, like, at all. Even though I had told them, like, I had a plan and I, like, skipped therapy. And when you're on suicide watch, the school is, like, required to tell that you didn't show up to class. Never like called me or called my parents or anything like that. It was really a kind of a bad method of handling someone who was going through that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, uh, and then I guess to uh, finish up school because I could go here for free. I got scholarships and stuff. People thought I was a prodigy for whatever reason. Just been it's just been like a constant series of ups and downs, and I want to stress so much how much mental health is impacted by if you are friends with or dating someone who has poor mental health and you yourself are not getting proper treatment and they're not getting treatment for poor mental health it's going to drag you down like i i have been like circling the drain at so many points during like the last 3 years of my life and i do not want anyone to sort of thing and i guess there was like other stuff that impacted my mental health when i was like a little kid but we probably don't really need to go into that so that's pretty much all i got <laughs> thanks for being open and
1: sharing all that first of all
2: you asked <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah um this is I'm... gonna be the episode yeah yeah as for myself then um I don't really know what was going on, but I know, like, when I was, like, in maybe late elementary school or middle school, I was put into some sort of therapy. I think just my parents saw, saw that I was just bummed out all the time. Like, it's, like, a really fuzzy memory, and I, I don't really know why I was... Or, like, who decided that that was something that needed to happen. And I just remember, like, the therapy sessions being very, like... Dry and just being like, not helpful or anything, and I don't know why I stopped going or anything like that. I think my parents just saw it because I never had any like I don't I don't know I I, I literally just think I was really bummed out all 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 the time like I I don't think I was like that depressed or as de- or as depressed as like a ten year old could be or something, um, I. I've never said this on the podcast, but I have a stutter. I have a clinical stutter that I went to speech therapy for for elementary school until high school. Um, I think that's always kind of fucked up my self-esteem. I hate it. Right now, it is the worst it's been since, like, middle school. If you hear a lot of shitty edits on this podcast, it's because I'm editing around that. Um, So that's been... Sorry. Go for
2: it. i said i've never picked up like it just kind of sounds like your thought process over sometimes
1: that's something that like i can kind of mask it as but it it's like weird to think about and verbalize that i want to say a lot of things that literally can't come out and that's like tough and frustrating and something that i deal with like there will be times where like i'm in a i'm just talking and i like want to say something but i literally like cannot get it out or just like give up on doing it and stuff like that so um that's a thing um if anyone caught on it or think that i have weird speaking patterns i have weird speaking patterns um i i i think i had my first really depressive episode as as an adult like my freshman year of college I went to the free therapist and it was very okay. Um you get
2: I, it what you pay for. Right? Yeah,
1: for sure. And then the past three years or maybe two years have been like my biggest what I would call like battles with depression and all of that and anxiety and stuff like that. I went on medicine for the first time about a year ago. Um and that, to me, was, like, the scariest thing that I've... That might have been the scariest thing I've done in my life because I am, like, I am, quote-unquote, straight-edge. I don't, I, I don't identify as straight-edge because of all the shitty politics that comes with it. But because I don't like to not be the person that's steering my thoughts and everything, and letting a medicine do that for me is terrifying. But I, I, I needed to go on it because everything was mentally was getting out of control um I went on one medicine that did not work at all it made everything worse and then I went on one medication that just I felt like lifted it enough that that the depression wasn't winning as cheesy as that sounds but I felt like it just lifted it enough that I could function and then I got off of that as soon as I could have and I probably shouldn't have uh because i feel like last week actually was probably the worst depressive episode i've had in like a year so yeah that's basically my history with mental health um, i feel like anxiety is a very big catch all but i feel like with depression and, and anxiety like anxiety is what made me smash my phone i cuz i just got, <laughs> i just i just got mad at something i had i had no i had no rational thought of being that mad about there's there there have just been points where i've just felt like seriously just like cracked out like just very just sick like
2: anxiety induced sickness not in cracked. my right mind piece of perspective on as far as like being like you being straight and uh, and not wanting to go on medication because you're afraid of not being the one who's steering your thought process um I'm not straight edge I was straight edge until I was 16 and then on and off past like 5 years I've had various struggles with various substances uh, like the thing that drew the thing that drew me to certain substances and the thing that uh, medication is that I I don't feel like I have control My I feel like there's so much going on in my head all the time that I need something to shut it up
1: yeah yeah
2: like Bringing back down to earth, like, and and with something, some substances, or with medication, uh, there's always like this feeling of like, oh, well, happy people feel like I want to be this way all the time. Mm -hmm. Two, there's like two different sides of that coin. I think like neither, neither approach is really like, but I think the the important thing is that. And get, like, some sort of help for whatever chemical issues are going on in your brain.
1: Yeah, and that's, like, a hard decision to make because it sucks because something will do wonders and work perfectly and exactly what it's supposed to for one person's mental illness. But your experience is almost guaranteed to be different. Or, like, something
2: will work for a while and then it'll just stop working.
1: Yeah. And it's all just trial and error and that's and that can be a living hell it, it usually is a
2: living hell <laughs> like getting on, on a prescription like can be insane the withdrawals can be insane yeah like I, I, I think like the whole fear mongering of like oh big pharma is just trying to get you hooked on fucking blah 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 shit I think it validity in the sense that like a dependence on these things, despite what it may do may do for our our mental health, it like fucks with our physical health. Mm -hmm. At at the end of the day, I am pro medication. (laughs) (laughs) Pro medication and therapy uh combined have the two together in order to get like the best effects. But I also understand that financially that's a uh which I think we're gonna be talking about later. Yeah. So
1: okay so let's so let's field one of these questions here um some of these are coming from people that have chosen to be to remain anonymous and we will of course respect that um some people were okay with us using their handles or their names and some people encouraged to use their names just to be transparent which i think is a cool thing um so off the top here
2: and before, before we get started, I just want to welcome our next guest, Sheridan from Punk Talks. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> uh, so our first question comes from Adam Yo. Adam's question is as follows. I've got a question for the episode. It's sort of intersectional. As someone who's long struggled with depression and self-harm, what bands have most responsibly slash successfully and directly addressed mental health slash awareness and self-care, etc., without resorting to cliché. And then he says he doesn't need to be anonymous. Um, It's a nice way to practice being more transparent. Thank you, Adam, for writing in. Ellie, do you have any recommendations for bands that talk about this stuff and address it um, successfully?
2: You know, I to sound like a cliché answer, but, honestly, baseball. Modern baseball? I think they did a really amazing job. They were around of being transparent about mental health issues and encouraging people to seek help.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Along those same lines, uh, Somos, for sure. And I don't know if they were talking about, like, themes as well. i going to talk about Jawbreaker again. But... Uh, <laughs> has some some really good like overcoming your experiences with depression like like save your generation is a is a song about not killing yourself in satting around which kind of like directly tackles uh moving past uh if there's like more underground bands who like explicitly tackle the subject matter uh i'd love to hear them but those are just the first ones that pop into my head
1: what about The Hotel Year? I know they don't really talk off the record about stuff that often, but I mean, Home Like No Places Great. There is, is an album that encapsulates the experience of depression uh,
2: accurately. Another thing it does well is kind of like
1: the
2: experience of being trans effectively, and yeah, the, the trans community is like a a huge problem with depression and mm-hmm. issues like that um a great call i can't believe that 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 didn't occur to me fuck
1: well it's like because like modern baseball are very vocal online and you know tweeting about it and all that stuff that helps but the hotel year they don't really have that presence of like hey, guys, I'm having a rough day. Just want to let you know. Just keep fighting and stuff like that. Like, that's what modern baseball will do, but the hotelier will be radio silent on that front. But through their yeah. music, of course. Yeah. Um, so question two here. This one is from Chaz. Chaz's question is, for anyone one of you who are mentally ill, was emo music a key element in, in discovering that you were mentally ill? By that, I mean, I was mentally ill and exhibiting many symptoms of declining mental health for years but it wasn't until i heard it being talked/saying about in music that i was able to recognize it in myself and figure out that what i that what i was experiencing was mental illness just curious to hear what your guys' personal correlation between mental illness and and emo music is um this was a topic on the sub at one point i don't think hearing these people sing about it, amplified any like any any thoughts that I might be mentally ill or off or anything, so no, that's not my experience. Was that anything like yours
2: honestly like like clued me in to a lot of it was like stand up comedians talking about their mental illness, yeah, like gathered and whatnot, mm-hmm. like being open about that sort of thing it really helped with regards to emo music that's definitely it's definitely been like a thing I used to like it's definitely been something that I turn to when I want to hear like in that sort of way
1: yeah like it's nothing that clued me into this is what it feels like to be depressed but it's definitely something that I've also gravitated to because I needed to hear
2: it or it like helps to hear it I definitely did not like listen to "Nothing Feels Good" by The Promise Ring, and was like, "Oh, I have depression." <laughs> that's not that's not happening. Nothing feels good because I was like, "Nothing does feel good." Yeah,
1: I never thought of it that way.
2: That's that's mainly what I've heard from other people as well. Is that they like the chicken or the egg situation? Is that after realizing that there was something wrong you know right
1: well then i guess this is kind of a total heady question but what what at first or what or what currently also draws you to listen to emo music is it because the
2: perceived sadness or is it just the style of music i mean music that isn't sad like there's a variety of music like for for any number of feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, pop, or when I'm angry, there's angry hip-hop, or there's hardcore, whatever. Um, with emo, it's because there's like a sound about it that appeals to me. I can listen to emo in like any mood, you know? I can as well. It's definitely something that I appreciate on a musical level more than just the like, emotional level.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: and it definitely has... That factors into it you know
1: yeah cause we kind of went back and forth about this for a second when we were just talking between shows just the saddest songs I've heard are not by emo artists sometimes when I'm sad I want to listen to Elliot Smith or Bright Eyes more than I want to listen to Mineral or Rites of Spring you know
2: yeah and also I do want to I do want to point out that I think and you listen to be shit like elliot smith or duster or Cody. i don't think that's always good stuck in that shit mood it perpetuates it right when i'm sad and looking to get out of it i'll turn off like fucking Four years strong or something <laughs> <laughs> jerky breakdowns yeah
1: for some reason some of these more uplifting things that are sad like, the Weaker Thans re- reconstruction site. That has always been my kind of go-to to wallow in this shit feeling, but also build myself back up.
2: Song, A uh, song for a cat named Virtue? Yes, that is the one. God, that, it, like, listen to that song when I want to emotionally wreck myself. Or, like, Death Cab, What Sarah Said, or mm-hmm. Age of the Lion. Those are definitely, like, the type of songs that just want to feel miserable and all of those i would classify as more indie rock than emo yeah
1: so i kind of want to talk more about this whole perception that like emo is the sad boy music or just this fucking happens daily someone comes to our emo is like i need that sad shit do you think that's good for emo or do you think that perpetuates the whole notion that we cry and listen to this music
2: I mean, uh, when you go back to obviously, like there were songs about being sad. Like early has a song called "Theme." If I started crying, but introspection, making making the political personal, personal political, kind of taking a more expressive, emotive approach to hardcore music. Like to me, it's never been. being sad, it's been about, emotions, um, like within this type of music. I don't want to say it's bad for emo that people are like hit me with that sad shit. Honestly, whenever people do that, give me the saddest emo songs. You know, I'll fucking link them. Like Young Lean, <sighs> can like a bucket hat wearing sad boy. Listen to Young Lean. Whatever. Yeah. Like, I, like I don't think sad. Like I don't think emo music is like. I think sad boy music is bucket hat SoundCloud rap. And I think it's like some reason I like associate Tame Impala with sad boys. I don't know if that's accurate. (laughs) Just the vibe I've always gotten is that if you listen to Tame Impala, you like, when you sing about how your girlfriend left you. Um,
1: So I I think we're coming to a conclusion that, you know, emo is, yes, it is sad, but it's like more to it than that. I don't know. I just don't like the whole perception that it's like, of course you like emo music because you're a depressed or you are a sad human. I don't think that's good for the genre.
2: To me, it's not, oh, I'm depressed and and so I listen to emo. A lot of bands represent a pretty broad range of emotions. There's anger, there's happiness. Like Algernon and Cadwalader are like a super happy band to me. Like, and, yeah what people think about emo even though Algernon is definitely essential emo bands I said it's one of those impressions that goes away the longer you're in the scene I feel
1: like the statements that I'm referring to are very base level knowledge statements
2: it's very much like oh I just started listening to mom jeans last week yeah type of questions yeah
1: 100% all right ready for another question this one comes from anonymous uh Actually, no, I just don't have their name on hand. But either way, <laughs> hey, can you all talk about how to deal with suspected mental illness if you do not have access to a professional who can help you because of money slash family? I can speak a little on this. This is, this is obviously tough, because these are circumstances that aren't really up to you, and that's horrible. I mean, that says a lot about a lot of things, like politics and everything and healthcare. Because seeing a therapist without insurance is expensive as fuck. Um, yeah. Uh, the therapist that I was seeing was from this clinic that is that is like mostly grad students from um, from a private university here. Yes, it was run very professionally, but it was not as intense because these were people, or because th- these were students. Um, And they worked on a sliding scale. So if they said, um, based on how much you make, we're going to ask you for $100. And if I said, no, I can give you $20, they would accept. Like, it's kind of crazy. So even if you said $10, they would accept um, just because they didn't make their money off of it. So those exist in other forms too like not just university ones i would say like maybe a major city around you might have the sliding scale one ellie you've already referenced your like actual campus therapists that were less than great but that was built into your tuition correct
2: yeah that was built in my tuition um only the first 10 sessions after 10 sessions you go out and find your own therapist rough Yeah, which I did not do. Yeah, uh, art school in Chicago. Gee, wonder which school this could be. Um, I know which one it is, and I don't think I knew that. Yeah, so you had to go go and then find your own therapist after that, which I did not. There is uh, a campus, an LV campus uh, in Las Vegas which they have a slight scale and it's open to people who are not just university students like it's open to the public
1: right I should explain that that was my experience too um, I did not go to this u- university I was, it was just um, very readily available and my insurance and mental health services are complete garbage so this was literally yeah. the best option for me was to find something that was not even covered by my insurance but was
2: affordable still the one at my university actually ended up being pretty good, and I know like a lot of people who. I mean, I think it's just really hit or miss as to as to those types of resources.
1: Um, I just want to speak upon the wait time for finding a therapist or a, or a, or specifically a, a psychiatrist. My experience was horrible. Like everyone was not accepting clients. Mm-hmm. It's ugly out there. Like, you sh- this is basically not how it should be. Like, like my therapy was the complete opposite of intense. And what I thought I needed was something way more intense than what it was. And mine was just, like, a lot of, like, self-affirmations and shit like that. Which is was, which was, which was great. Like, I don't want to imagine myself not in therapy at that moment but knowing that I need something different and it not being available to me that's a hopeless feeling so I I just hope that resources are better in other areas but
2: um, best of luck to the person who asked this question
1: yes absolutely and hopefully, hopefully that helps a, a little bit it's definitely like a tough super frustrating situation that that's where we are but that's that's what fucking healthcare is in America.
2: <laughs> Once again, the E word turns into uh, the best anti-capital. <laughs> the E word is angles. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can I get into one of my questions here?
2: Yeah, for sure. Okay, I wanted to talk about
1: self-esteem. What are ways to improve your self-esteem, self-worth, etc.? I don't always feel comfortable with myself and I'm convinced I'm going to be alone and not really worth anyone's time on a friend or um, a romantic level and that I'm constantly feeling like I'm unskilled in everything that I do I just generally feel like no past affirmation training or anything like that has ever really stuck with me so I was wondering Ellie if, if this is something that you wrestle with or have any um, experience or advice on
2: well, I think uh, people call low self esteem is real. Okay, I don't <laughs> do that. But, uh... <laughs> I didn't even
1: think that would even be brought up. But I now I don't understand how I
2: didn't see that coming. <laughs> Myself, like it's not just that I have low self esteem; I have like no self esteem. Like you put validation into me, and it just like falls out. But essentially, essentially the way that I personally cope with it is have friends around you it, it, with you know making you feel validated it's good to lean on them but at the same time you can't you can't do it too much like you can't just drain their emotion and then that leads into like a whole other conundrum because because you have no self esteem you're like oh no obviously I'm just wasting these people's time asking them to help yeah. I'm just a total burden
1: Yeah, that's real
2: Is literally just a constant cycle like it's literally just constant ups and downs is how much progress you're making Um, keep like doing things and hoping that people say nice things about the things I did
1: (laughs) I feel the same way too like I always need to be doing something to the point where I burn myself out and that's like a cycle of me saying that I'm not doing enough you aren't at the point where you. There's something in in my brain that's
2: like, you aren't doing enough. You can be doing better. And it's not it like purely internal for me. Like I just need. Ah, oh, you're doing good. Like I need that. Or else I just I just feel like everything I'm doing is not. Like I I I also have a full time job and I do this podcast and. You have a blog. There's. there's blog is kind of on hiatus because i realized the writing is very stressful for me but it's coming back i promise (laughs) Uh, i also have to juggle that with the fact that i'm moving yeah i still always feel like i'm just sitting around doing nothing like if i if i go a night without like going out with my friends that feels like a failure of a night to me yeah yeah i I have no advice i'm just saying i feel you yeah (laughs) Are you, Would you say that you're a self-deprecating person? I think that anyone who has, like, held a conversation with me, things they notice is probably how self-deprecating my sense of humor is.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like that's generally unhealthy or it's, like, healthy in small doses?
2: I think it's healthy in small doses in that, like, in an appropriate way, it makes you seem more good-natured to the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's deprecating humor that I personally can't stand is like, endlessly awful thing about yourself, and then try and pass it off as a joke. But secretly, you're hoping people will just come to your rescue. Like I hate when people do that. That makes me like viscerally uncomfortable. I
1: mean, this is poor timing. But like, isn't that basically Louis C.K.'s career?
2: God, um, it's about Louis C.K. Is comedy and honestly, I don't think we have time to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> With comedians, it's different because they are explicitly performing for the validation of laughter. Oh, yeah, yeah, they have to be creative, they can't just be a fucking bummer. And, and that's like where self deprecating humor stops being funny, the line where it also stops being healthy.
1: Yeah, so I guess on self esteem. I don't know if you have any tips on just momentarily making yourself feel... I mean, like, you know, the whole treat yourself thing. Like, oh, go buy yourself lunch. It might make you feel good. Start washing your face nightly and stuff like that. I don't know. Do you have any of those small things that you do? I personally don't.
2: So if I'm not working, I find what helps me feel... Is I go run errands. Take care of some something that i I need to do or i clean my room and like looking at it and seeing that i did it that helps me feel better
1: um all right i'm bouncing around in questions let's find another one here all right we're gonna get into a big one here this one comes from anonymous this is a long question because there's a lot in here talk about bands that sing about self-harm is it a valid form or self-expression or nothing more than a selfish, problematic, cathartic byproduct like that feeling, no GF, and the art of emo? Is it a good thing that these things are being sung about in the event someone else may relate to it and have their feelings validated, or is it a bad thing because it may perpetuate the cycle of self-harm for the in- individual listening to it? Of course there is Hawthorne Heights being the most popular example, but bands singing about suicidal ideations, snowing, teen suicide, senses fail, little peep would be interesting to see analyzed. I know this is convoluted, surprising coming from me, right? I guess the main question is in regards to bands singing about self harm and suicidal ideations, is there a line between honest self expression and toxic slash potentially enabling in declaration of sadness? I'm personally of the opinion that there's no line between the two as long as it comes from a genuine place. While the content may be triggering, if you spend a life walking on eggshells, the steps you you, you take won't make an imprint. And as a follow-up question or topic, I suppose the romantization, the romantization of depression and addiction could be considered as well. So this is a big topic. Two topics, really. I'm curious... As to what you have to say Because I spent a lot of time thinking about this This week
2: Yeah so so This might be a a bit of a cop out to start off I wrote an article That kind of uh, This issue Um, But I'm gonna I'm gonna read from it (laughs) Real quick There is nothing more aggravating than the rhetoric of Over enamored teenage fans To get to their heads is a great example of how to appropriately handle it when kids start telling them that their bands have kept them from killing themselves. at their concerts and speak openly and candidly about their own issues and getting help, stigmatize mental health, or put the band members themselves up on a pedestal. To humanize both themselves and the audience. These so-called hope core bands like Memphis May Fire and The Color Morale, careers, out of peddling bland platitudes that encourage only the idolization of the band's as lead singers, is that the listeners, usually vulnerable teenage girls, cycle of feeling not good enough for the band members by the band members being poly- pre-perfective form press and Facebook photo shoots records to make themselves feel better because the vague promises of "don't give up, kiss your scars" shit, is a mildly soothing remedy. to Low self-esteem. It is a culture of wallowing in your own pain and making you into the self-serious cult of personality. Huns and Austin Carlisle have so cunningly cultivated. I think it's pretty indicative of you know Hawthorne Heights sort of uh, fits in there and stuff like and whatever like bands that talk about they they do it in this way where it's like they're exploiting the issues that their teenage fans are going through. If they present themselves as like a warm figure, this voice of a generation, this you can go to when you want to feel safe, that loyal fans like that to me is extremely gross. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, yeah, I agree. There is no line as long as it comes from a genuine place. Like clearly, bands like that are not coming from a genuine place. Is there any band
1: that that you can think of that disguises it enough to? to like make it feel like it actually is coming from a genuine place but it's not
2: i mean not that you can know but like like you're asking if there's any bands who are like faking it but people can't tell yeah do you think that exists i mean probably yeah like there's no way to kind of feel bad speculating about it i think as the question is correct that it comes to these issues. If you're talking about it in an honest way, it might be uncomfortable for some listeners. I think controversial art has a right to exist? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think the perpetuation of self harm is a problem with obviously not being genuine. Right. I think. Uh, back on, onto the topic that that's coming afterwards about patient of mental illness. <laughs> Sorry. Cough. Addiction. Um, also plays a part to it because 2010, when I was like a kid, everyone was like self-diagnosing with mental issues. Like everyone was like, "I have borderline personality disorder, etc." And even if they did have these issues, deliberately not seeking help, like not to make themselves better, they just wanted the experience having these issues and. And like presenting it to the world in that way, presenting yourself as someone who has these issues because people, how much they support you, blah blah blah. You know, I think I think that's something that can feed into for sure. I think the romanticization of addiction is awful. I think that. Um, that Uh, who's that rapper who just came out and was like, don't fuck with Xanax? Wasn't it Lil Xan? Yeah, it was Diego. It was really really Lil Xan who was like, Xanax, I don't take Xanax anymore. Like, I mean, I hate Lil Xan's music, but props to him, or like all the rappers now who are coming out like against Lean because of how much it's been romanticized in that music. Um, If you want to go further back, like the Libertines doing... The heroin chic thing, sized heroin addiction, obviously a huge problem. And sorry, I just thought of that Dandy Warhol song. Uh, I never thought you'd be so passe.
1: <laughs> Do you think that there's any glamorization of the shit with addiction in punk or or an emo presently?
2: Absolutely, fucking yeah, Sid, vicious man.
1: I feel like we're past that. I don't think people are all about Sid Vicious anymore.
2: A lot of, like, quote-unquote punk rock is very, like, backwards-looking, I think. Sure. As far as emo goes, I don't see much of that develop, like, a a, a mental addiction to, to weed, a physical one. People who are, like, functional stoners, and they need it to... It's so casual that I don't even really notice how how much of a our current emo culture. Do you think it's like,
1: like, but do you think it's cool to be like a weed band? I'm not trying to name names, but like Prince Daddy, they love talking about smoking weed on tour and stuff. Like, do you think that's harmful for any bit of emo culture?
2: I like, I guess the main problem is I don't want emo seem to be associated with like the type of people who talk about like everything you can use hemp to fuel your car. Um, I don't want to be associated with that type of people. Beyond that, I don't think like with emo super harmful.
1: Yeah. So I guess getting back into this like the meat of this question spe- specifically with these bands like Snowing and Teen Suicide, do you think them talking about all the self harm and talking about suicide and everything like do you think they do it in an artful enough way? or or do you think they're getting away with it? I think that they do. I think it's in a very cathartic way because it kind of mirrors the music.
2: Absolutely. I absolutely do think they they get away with it because like it matches the intensity of the music. Yeah. Like I think that's like perfectly fine. And again, I wanted to go back to like the subject of maybe triggering. Yeah. It might be like something to be appreciated if bands would put like content warnings on songs that those topics, but I'm never going to say that songs about those things shouldn't exist. That's an awful thing to say. Art that is challenging and uncomfortable, the most important type of art, obviously. I
1: do want to backtrack to the first question and say that Snowing is another band that champions mental health I mean, I follow John Gallum on Instagram, and just going back through his posts, he's, he like talks about all like these intense yogas and physical therapies that helped him with mental health. Just going back there and going to shout him out as
2: someone to follow, if because if, I so, forgot about that. Uh, not emo, but um, Pat the Bunny. His earlier stuff, but his later stuff. As a solo artist and with ramshackle glory, I think he does a really, really good job of and encouraging people to look after themselves. Yeah. Also, AJJ.
1: I believe Sean worked a suicide hotline at one point, just
2: like voluntarily. Their fucking sounds like this, but I can't afford a therapist. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> Favorite
1: AJJ song? Which one? Distance. What album is that on? It's on Knife Man Oh, that is I'm a huge AJJ fan I've definitely listened to that one like By far the least for some reason I'm very unfamiliar with that oh. album Even though AJJ Are one of my favorite bands ever It's like the last album of theirs I can listen to Christmas Island is, 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 is way better than that In my opinion But I think The Bible
2: 2 Is actually a bad album I'd agree with that but I mean like my favorite my favorite out there is like on a general level is definitely uh people who can eat people fantastic yeah. album.
1: That is probably the the, the first life changing album that I've heard. Like that one set me off on the course of everything that I've basically listened to now, just because it was yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, that was a pretty big deal on org, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know it was.
1: Uh, okay. So I think now is the time that we can talk a little bit about more relationship stuff. So if we want to give our crash course
2: history with our dating yeah. lives. Yeah, there's, the, there's three questions left. Yeah. Um, so this question five, that's definitely the one I want to tackle last. Okay. Okay. Let's start with the relationship stuff. then.
1: Okay. Do you want to lead this one as
2: well? Actually, you know, I'd start because my my dating life has just been a disaster.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mine is more or less normal. I I would think it's essentially like a series of long term relationships. I mean, my college relationship was started my freshman year and went post college, and then I was left for someone who works at GameStop, and that was like you know like a lifetime worth of getting over it seemed like but i mean it just happened um uh and then i got in a relationship probably too soon after that that lasted like three months and then currently living with someone that i just broken up with um told that to about four people now i'm putting it on a podcast so yeah that happened about like a month and a half ago so it's like kind of fresh but it, it it's also like probably the most fucked up time of my life and it kind of feels like it's been done for like over a year. So yeah, that's it. Like I, I don't know. Like I'm I have a question that I submitted to the podcast on just re- on relationships that aren't serious. Um but yeah, I I like I... the the relationship that I just got out of was has a lot of shit just tied into it um from financial shit to just my mental being and stuff um i've i've fortunately never been in something that has been like seriously manipulative or i'm, I'm sure i've been in toxic moments in in like relationships but nothing like manipulative or anything like that um
2: you said you were like moving out of the place that you're in Right now, right. That's that's the goal. It's hard, but I mean, yeah. I think three years is a really long time to have. Is this the, is this the type of situation where you have like anything that's actively prohibiting you from leaving? No, I'm I, actively looking okay. for new places on the daily. That's good because like I, I've been in I've been in a situation where like I literally could not leave the place I was in, even though I loathe the person that i was in a relationship with why why I couldn't i was trapped cuz i had money okay um uh anyone else that i could have stayed with at the time i had burned all of my bridges
1: oh okay yeah i think i i'm pretty sure i phrased it to you like like living here right now is not a living hell when i was when shit was so bad a year ago it seriously was a living hell um, but I feel like things are okay like it's not the worst thing in the world it's just you, you like wake up and you're constantly reminded of a failed relationship that's like the hardest yeah. part about it presently um,
2: sorry you're going through that hope you're doing okay doing
1: average but could be worse do you want to tell um, us about about your love
2: life how much detail are we willing to go uh, <laughs> I was a really late bloomer uh, get my first girlfriend or anything like that until I was uh, 17 okay. Like I, I didn't get my first kiss until I was 17 years old
1: Okay. hey same
2: okay so I, I feel a little less alone in that regard then that I clung to that relationship like, like Saram Rap I just was like we, I went away to college the long distance relationship for a while when i came back it just became more and more very, very clear that we were completely mismatched people us were like particularly abusive we just um we clearly were not right for each other making each other miserable all the time we were fighting all the time uh she was breaking up with me um like it was, was like one of those weird on off relationships where and then we both go out and hook up with people and then we get sad and get back together like as if that was going to help anything came, came back finishing school back, back out here, here she uh cheating on me with her boss, boss at subway <laughs> like honestly like it, that 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 dude was so like i Bitterness about that because that dude is super ugly. Like <laughs> he looks like Deadpool, Deadpool without, without his mask on. That, that's how bad.
1: Who without his mask on?
2: Deadpool. <laughs> Christ. We. I was talk. I was talking to her. We broke up. I had kind of like started to get my way, and like I made fun of him. He has a really nice personality, and I was like, he would have to. <laughs> I can, be a, I can be a really snarky fuck sometimes. Uh, ironically, this girl, my first girlfriend, my, we I lost my virginity to her while we were listening to fucking explosions in the sky. That's how cliche I am.
1: That's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Uh, she's actually the only person I've ever been in a relationship with that I am still friends with. We're actually still really good friends to this day. Okay. But after we broke up, I think that was probably like most hurt I've been that way like that's the most heartbroken I've ever felt
1: how long was the relationship I know it was on and off but how like what's like the timeline here
2: 18 months, Eight a year and a half okay. yeah so after that I kind of like went through a I went through a period of kind of being a, a kind of a slut like I just <laughs> uh, I just dis- discovered that I in like some sense and I was just like having lots of sex with lots of people all the time Um, a thing for my self esteem. It just made me feel like emptier and emptier and emptier. Um, and just like allowed me motivation. Um, well, because there was like a lot of like drinking and drugs. And and then I uh, finally, together with uh, my next trip, I would describe as like the most emotionally predatory person I was forced to be in contact with. Would use, like, self-harm and suicide as a weapon described at some point before, I think, during the Remo Drive Mm episode. Couldn't come over at a certain time. They would say, oh, I'm going to kill myself tonight, and it's going to be your fault. Whatever happens, I love you, and, like, hang up the phone. Jesus And... Where like I, I had to move in with them and I couldn't leave because like the bridge burning I I said before and the reason that burned is because I was so isolated from all my family and friends and so convinced that this relationship was okay that anyone who tried to tell me different I I'd cut them off get pictures of me that they would like distribute to their friends without my consent. They would get in, like, huge, awful arguments with me, and then when I would cry, they would make fun of me for crying. And then when they were in private with their friends, they would accuse me of being emotionally abusive, or they would accuse me of being sexually abusive. Either of those things are true, and that level of manipulation is something that I can't even, like, comprehend doing to another human being. Right. Add to all of that they were a bad place with regards to drug addiction and we were living with there was also in a really bad place with regards to drug addiction and I was in a really bad place so it, it just like an awful toxic situation and so once I with my parents enough to be able to stay with them for a little bit and then stupid the fight and with a with a good friend of mine we became actual roommates and I Relationship behind, uh, and was like completely and utterly single for a long time. Like I broke up with this person. Yeah. I stayed with my parents for a while, and then you know, had, like a weird dysfunctional relationship. So we got into a fight, and they were trying to, to like get me to give them my paychecks so they could give me an allowance out of my paychecks. Oh, it was weird. Okay. Um. made up with another friend that I had isolated hard during this relationship and I like basically like the past year trying to make amends with people for this person that I was in a relationship with fucking up all my friendships Um, I moved in with this person my friend came roommates and I just kind of focused on myself trying to be better seven months ago now I started dating a new person I love very much and we are this relationship that is soon going to be not long distance in my opinion long distance relationships only work if you both are naturally going to end up being in the same place or exclusively move for one person that's bad
1: Mm mm-hmm
2: I'm in a I'm in a really positive relationship right now. With, understands a lot of the things that I've been through and supportive of human and does not feel any type of way like the the last person I was in a relationship with, with made me feel. Mm-hmm. I can't express like how much good that's done for me on like a mental level. And I still have uh some freakouts like I had a really bad kind of meltdown a while back. Like, I think about a month ago now, um, myself uh, in front of some people who like have seen clout. And so that was really embarrassing. But I think something that points to like how much I've grown is that I reached out to uh, one of the people, witnessed it and gave me, like perspective to kind of read out a little bit of the conversation I was just saying you know like i said i'm sorry you know this is not how i normally act is there anything i can do to change this perception of me because they had expressed some distaste and i was like this is not how i normally am the combination of my mental health and a lot of the pressure from this thing a bigger deal than it really should have been Uh, not that that really makes it okay because it doesn't this person cool about it they said i I don't think anyone who came in without contacts thinks less of you, Uh, especially in combination with mental health struggles. You're allowed to be hurt. And then they said one thing that I think kind of ties in really well to what we've been talking about this whole episode. Uh, It's not ideal. They said, it's not ideal, but in the emo community, conversations of mental health are as much of a constant as music. It happens sooner in people's interactions than others. And I just thought that was a really good way of looking at it. Um, the, like, like a huge amount of progress for me is just being able to actually reach out and apologize to, to someone for my mental health hurting them in that way. And yeah. having that like validation come back at me. And I think that uh, of, of how far me being in like a healthy relationship has allowed me to come. Yeah able to actually take accountability for my fuck ups and apologize to people and have a productive conversation from it.
1: So there's one thing that I kind of wanted to pick at from what you just went over with with your really toxic relationship and I guess how did you get out of it?
2: I just started being a worse and worse partner. I just like stopped giving them any attention phased all of my affection until I basically was just kind of they got bored. I didn't initiate the breakup. I just kind of like became a worse and worse partner until they got bored of me. And then it it wasn't I consciously did. I just lost. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't.
1: And along with that, like how did how did that affect your your next relationship?
2: Like I said, I think it a long time off off from like even looking for casual I just needed to not be with anyone.
1: Okay. But you were able to recognize that this is not how like this is not any framework for my next relationship at 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 all. Like
2: I we basically just established really quickly boundaries that we both are setting, this is how we are going to communicate. We're going to communicate very directly. Sure we're going to just, like, share our feelings about stuff. Like, and if either of us, like, felt, we let the other one know. Like, basically, it's just a game of boundaries, and making sure that the other person feels heard.
1: That's good. That's how it should be. I mean, some people probably don't want it to be as direct. I feel like that's the kind of communication that I personally prefer is, if it's not spelled out completely
2: obvious, then I'm gonna worry about it. Absolutely. I, I want this to be The exact opposite of my last relationship in every possible way. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I don't know if this is a thing, but like, if you're in a toxic relationship, like, do you ever get scared of what your next relationship could look like? Are you like kind of scarred in any kind of way?
2: Definitely think I have, um, in the sense that scared that I'm going to fuck this up because I, uh, like, really unhealthy coping strategies. Mm -hmm. So, your defense mechanisms developed in an abusive situation. Toxic in a non-abusive situation.
1: What does toxic so in a non-abusive situation look like?
2: Okay, so let's say like your girlfriend wants to go to a concert without you. In your last relationship, uh, if you and your partner did anything without each other, uh, your partner would just like your abusive partner would just freak the fuck out, like, like have a total meltdown. The healthy one. Oh no, something is wrong, and you start spiraling. That might lead you to esture your partner with like lots of anxiety, like low self-esteem, kind of like like forcing them to be responsible for your feelings not good. The parts of the key to parts, it,
1: parts of is, that. I, I, I see parts of that in my experience. I think a parallel here is like I developed very irrational I guess trust issues that I don't totally. think I've like worked on enough or took on enough to or to to get into another relationship and not just fester over everything if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because is it, like, the type of... It's the type of situation where, like, if there's anything that, as, like, your partner being bored with you, it, like, sends you into a total freak out? Or, like, your partner not meeting you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, but the way that I handled it was just complete paranoia. It's also not good. No. No. <laughs> like, that coupled with what I was going with mentally just... To the point where I could almost see it as being manipulative because I was just like, yo, like, what the fuck are you actually doing and stuff? And, like, I don't don't know. There's, like, definitely more to it that I'm not going to get into. But, like, this is the shit that, like, I don't know if, like, this is the shit if you put me in a new relationship, I don't know how I'm going to be. Because I don't think I conquered it, you know?
2: want to be that person who's like oh starting a new relationship and like uh, just dumping all your issues with your ex out on the table
1: right like, but that's... I also wouldn't even mention it because I'm not one of those people that wants to be like oh hey new, new fucking girlfriend like you want to hear all about my past girlfriend because then you just sound like you're not over it and nobody wants to be
2: compared to that I mean for me uh eventually I did just have to like have the conversation about okay here's my issues that I've developed from, from and I'm working on them but like yeah. you have to be patient with them so it's it's trying to find like a balance between like using a friend as like your fucking therapist I think we should get into a, a question here I'm just gonna
1: throw mine in here so we can get past it uh mine is a very genuine question that I like I feel like I need to know this uh, as someone who's pretty much only been in committed relationships and never participated in anything that could even be called a hookup, how can I better understand and enjoy a fling or seeing someone casually that's not serious? If I really start to like this person, or if I just off the bat really like this person, how can I not let my heart get in the way, a.k.a.
2: catch feelings? You're asking how to not deal with emotions in a sexual relationship?
1: No, I'm saying if something is established or established as something that's not a serious relationship, how can I enjoy that even though it's developing to something that. Oh, uh, let me. Okay. How can I enjoy, slash, just be in a in a not serious relationship when i tend to lead with my heart like or i yeah it, i know okay. what you're saying okay i um, i guess i'm a serial committer Monogamous.
2: yeah <laughs> i mean for me uh a lot of like quote unquote it it, it was like the definition of like a one night stand type of thing like there wasn't past that because we're sh- so short lived, I don't think I ever really had an issue with, like, gosh, I'm starting to have feelings for this person. Okay. You know, I've never, well, like, where we, I had like a consistently casual relationship with someone, Before I mentioned a supervisor that I kind of had a thing with, but I was kind of like catching feelings because we were working together and that just would have been awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, ultimately, I think like the amount of time you spend together is what dictates how much emotional impact that you guys have on each other. Right. So, if you really want like a jewel of flings, it's the amount of time that you spend around each other. The like, if you're spending like a whole bunch of time with someone having a quote unquote fling with, oh, so that, that you're the type of person who gets emotionally attached really quick. Pull back. Yeah. End up in a mess, especially if the other person is not as emotionally committed as you are. Right. It's a time game, it's a numbers game.
1: Yeah. Do you have any advice on kind of, I guess, mentally getting yourself in that headspace of just enjoy this how it is instead of stop trying to make this a thing?
2: About it in terms of want to change about your current life are are you really wanting in in another relationship is this something that you think is healthy for you yeah trying to have fun in the current moment yeah i mean i know for people like us living in the moment is like practically impossible (laughs) constantly like abstracting everything just in our own heads yeah so let's get
1: into this one. This one culminates a lot of things that we've talked about here. And it's another long question, but I, I, I think this is, this is a really important question. Um, starts off with a compliment. Hey, y'all. Loving the podcast so far. So I've been in a long-term relationship nearly three years with this beautiful girl. Loves the same music. You know your boy already turned her into an emo head. And absolutely loves and supports me the only problem was been her depression that she constantly battles. It's affected her confidence, the ability to get out of bed, and even pick out an outfit without feeling absolutely awful. At first I had a I can fix this mentality because I personally am not plagued with such anxiety and depression, but after a few years I just realized that it was much more difficult than I had to be a rock for her. I've had times where I thought it was too hard and not making any progress and we've had major fights because i brought up going to a doctor for a proper diagnosis but she told me it's too expensive and doesn't want the label of a crazy person especially when it'll be something she will have to disclose she wishes to hide it similarly to to her previous self-harm scars just wondering if you find folks had any input any similar experiences or any general advice to prolong this relationship and help me understand so i'm less ignorant keep up the good work so there's a lot there yeah was this the one that you were like that this one hits home yeah this one hit really hard okay and this is also from jason uh who goes by the word lisa on the sub so thank you jason
2: um as he said any general advice to prolong this relationship personally when you're at the point that you're questioning whether or not uh, mental health problems in this relationship if it's, if the mental health has become such an issue that to break you two up I think that take at least a bit of a break literally exact opposite of what you asked <laughs> <laughs> any advice to prolong this relationship yeah, yeah take a break I think uh, the major relationships that I've been in before this one who had severe health and, and self-harm you know my current girlfriend has issues with depression and anxiety and nature as well but the difference is that with her, Dina, that's her name, my current girlfriend's name is Dina she's great her, the responsibility for her emotional state on me To support her and she's there to support me when I'm doing really badly but at the end of the day we know that the most we can do is comfort each other and we have to we have to handle our shit like in charge of making sure that we're okay. I'm just hoping that that's something that both of you in this relationship realize that Jason you cannot responsibility for your girlfriend's mental and emotional health that's just too much like that is going to break you relationship very very miserable um, we've had major, major fights uh, we don't want to go to the doctor for proper diagnosis uh, problem is the label of a crazy person anymore I, guess, I'm, I, I don't know maybe depending on where you live but where I live you know it's a very private thing getting this diagnosis and it's a very private thing no one if anyone does think less of you for doing that, go fuck themselves. And I understand that there's there's the stigma about people around you to think that you're crazy. I addressed kind of the same thing up at the top of the episode. The thing is, you still don't have to disclose it to the people around you. You only need to disclose it to the person who can help you. If there's a financial issue that's hindering you from diagnosis, that I definitely understand. You really should look into a lot of the the more cost-effective methods of therapy that Kyle and I were talking about earlier. It'd be a huge help. Beyond that, I'm just I'm just really worried about uh, one in which a person's emotions is the other person's responsibility. Which that's my piece. Sorry, I know that went on forever.
1: A couple of things that I wanted to get at within this is like first of all, you mentioned taking. A break. Can you like go on and explain like what what that is going to
2: benefit both parties here? Exactly. I mean, taking that like if you feel like the mental health issue is like actually causing huge stress in your relationship, if you feel like profoundly better with that stress, then that might mean that the relationship wasn't working. Okay. The like, okay. but obviously, the terms of taking a break would, like, oh, hook up with whoever. You know, I'm assuming it's a monogamous relationship, so yeah, stay celibate. <laughs> um, on this break, to you,
1: what do you think the the non mentally ill person in the relationship? What do you think their role should be? In providing support and being there for the person that is suffering, like what does that look like to you? Like, what do you think their role? What are okay? What are what are those boundaries?
2: Really hard to articulate this in an appropriate way. I know. Um, Like like me and my girlfriend, kind of take turns being each other's support when one of us is going through a tough time. Yeah. To to us, that looks like. You know, you can vent to me, validate what you're feeling. Um, for you, I love you, I care about you. Everything's going to be okay. But at a, at a certain point, you allow the other person's problems to take over. Uh, the, to me, the boundary is that you cannot let your feelings be dependent on the other person's. Okay. okay. You cannot like if you're if, if your partner isn't. You cannot, you can't be in crisis because of that. Like that's the level. That's emotional codependence, and that's very bad. Okay. I like people. Like people talk about being being her rock. When I was the rock for someone in crisis all the time, for me it was exhausting. Yeah. So the boundary is always making sure that you're never, partner. and always make sure that you have like other people outside your relationship that you can talk to as well. Like be the sole person that you can confide in responsibility for one person
1: i don't think that i can fix you mentality has ever has has ever fixed anyone (laughs) exactly it's not a good thought pattern to get into
2: i can fix this is uh the opposite of fixing it yeah essentially (laughs) I totally dominated that question, I'm sorry. There's just, like, so much wrapped up in it that I, like, connected to.
1: Yeah. I think there's some healthy things to do. I mean, like... I don't know. As someone who is suffering while in a relationship, I felt like... I felt like I kept coming up with these things that I would want to hear that I would never hear. That would, And I felt like that just kind of made it worse. That was bad for two things cause I was not hearing things that I wanted to hear and that's unfair cause I thought Heck. that like oh wow she's not she's really not caring even though like she's just not reading my mind <laughs> like that's that's not healthy thought um I hate citing tweets as things but someone retweeted something that I really identified with getting in a relationship does not stop your depression it does not stop the bad thoughts it doesn't fix ad- anything it's just you're, you're just partnered up with someone and I think that says a lot about being mentally ill and in a relationship because you put so much pressure on a relationship being a happy thing and that's not always realistic you know
2: I guess if I wanted to put that in a different sort of way like the relationship should be things but it can't be the the happy thing the yeah. relationship is never going to be the thing that makes you happy
1: for sure I think that's a very good way to put it
2: it should be a thing that makes you happier
1: yeah thank you Jason thank you. for the question um, I forgot to put this one in here because this happened uh, really like about an hour before we started recording tonight um, this is Tamir's question Um, Which is not entirely about relationships, but uh, here it is. I don't suffer from mental illness, so I sometimes feel like I don't fully understand what people around me might be going through. Kind of a broad question, but what might be some good ways to learn more about mental illness, and how can I be a better ally for people going through those kinds of problems? Examples being friends, family, people within the scene, etc. I think this is a great question. I mean, it, it, it shows a lot of empathy and that you care about uh, the people around you.
2: Honestly, just that want to understand more is helpful in and of itself. Yeah. Stuff like that makes people feel like they can be heard when they talk to you, you know?
1: I think one way to understand it and maybe notice it is seeing, seeing a person that, that is not acting like themselves and compare that to how they usually are and that kind of says a lot about what they're going through and how you can understand that like Mm -hmm. because you can see it in people that's like yo like you I mean there's a lot of physical signs of someone that that's going through something that just personifies a lot like so just understanding that and I think there's a little bit of something like in it's gotta be like a private thing, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I think needs to be clear. Is like do it privately. Like don't don't go into a meeting and being like, yo, like you aren't paying attention, you look like shit, like which is obvious.
2: But it's just like If you are able to do this that they can talk to you. That's the best way that you're going to get an understanding is just hearing it straight, what they're going through.
1: Agreed. There's definitely scenarios in which I've had people that they can't give me advice, and that's fine, but they can listen. and exactly. that's Exactly. And that's all that a lot of people need. I mean, I'm pretty sure what they tell you in suicide training is, like, don't give them advice, just let them talk. Once, once they... Start talking; their like rate of suicide goes lower because they're just talking and they're getting it out. And all yeah. you, you like yeah. just need to listen and show that you're listening and show that you care. So
2: when I've been talking to people who are really going through something heavy, talk they will like talk themselves into demeanor, mm-hmm. like, and then they'll slowly talk themselves down as long as
1: along with this. Do you have any ideas of like what those boundaries look like? Because I don't know if you've been in like the situation where it's like you like you like hear someone out, and then they just kind of cling to you, and cross those boundaries. Yes, I
2: absolutely have been in that situation.
1: <laughs> How do you handle that?
2: I just communicate as directly as possible. I'm starting to become uncomfortable, um, and I need want you to ever feel like you can't talk to me because of that i need you to to take a step back because i cannot everything for you you know what i mean I'm, i'm all for being someone that you can vent to but i cannot like always be everyone's therapist
1: exactly yeah
2: this is a running problem in my life people like are constantly talking to me about their problems to me the, the point where it becomes too much is when that's the only thing that this person ever talks to you about.
1: Exactly. Doing
2: anything, about anything else, all they do. That's not a healthy friendship at uh, all.
1: That's, that's not a friendship.
2: Being an unpaid therapist, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Alright, we have a final question here, Ellie. This comes from at WF Exchange Club on Twitter. Can you talk about the topic of forgiveness and growth in light of all these me too like stories on what seems to on what seems like nearly every band at what point do we need to realize that we are human and make mistakes and can grow as people and aren't these evil monsters?
2: Does this tie so into our I, episode? I wanted to address this last. last. This is a good question. It kind of comes off like giving jesse lacy a hard time we need to stop giving lou diamond a hard time (laughs) i'm not not saying i'm not saying that this is what the person who asked the question meant i don't know what their intentions are came off like that is is, you agree with that is that also kind of the vibe you got kind of something about the subtext of this question really bothers me
1: okay for some reason I, I I have this stuck in the back of my head still of that person that keeps asking us to talk about Evan from Pine Grove and what he did and why it's
2: not, it is this
1: person. It I is it is this person. You think so? it is? Okay. So like I'm But um, that but that's why I think negatively about the question because this person keeps wanting us to talk about it, but I feel like it's obvious. Address
2: that. Let's address that person who keeps begging us to talk about Pine Grove. That was what I wanted to talk about earlier. That was actually the the, the follow up from episode ten that I forgot about. I thought that uh, I, I thought that we just agreed that we're not going to talk about it. But okay, let's do it. Just because, like, I want this person off our fucking back.
1: Okay.
2: Consensus has basically been, yeah, the way that the allegation was handled is fucked up. But I don't think that necessarily negates. However, we know exactly what it is that he's done wrong, so it's very hard to pass like ultimate judgment satisfied person. <laughs> I think a lot of people have assumed
1: that, that because of the way that the allegations shook out,
2: and we found that out, that he's in the clear. But And that's not necessarily true, not at all, because I still remember all those tweets that were like...
1: Yeah, all of the tweets that were like, we know what you did, Evan, and stuff like that. So I found the actual question, and it was i hate to harp on this over and over but are you gonna say anything about how one of you said that you couldn't ever listen to pine grove after what he's done in light of the punk
2: talk stuff i, don't I genuinely don't think i don't think either of us have said that pine grove ever again because of what evan has done no i just
1: think it's super weird that people have thought that he's clear of everything even though we literally have not heard of what he's done
2: at the same time it's like well i mean if there's no smoke there's no fire I apologized for a reason there was there's there's still something there yeah uh so about
1: this question though um specifically i think this is a good question in talking about what he had what this person asked forgiveness and And growth, and I think we've touched upon this a little bit. Like, a, a a little bit has to do with like actually showing your commitment to the recovery and re and rehabilitation process of being an abuser. But then the whole things of like realizing that we are human and make mistakes. I mean, we've been burned on this so many times that that makes it hard to forgive. Do you agree with either of those statements?
2: Taking this question in the best faith that I possibly can, suspect due to the way that it's worded, there's like some weird intent behind it. That we've absolutely been burned by that whole, oh, humans are people, we make mistakes rhetoric. Exactly what burned us on the diamond. Yeah. Exactly what happened. Yeah. Think forgiveness and growth, things that we should strive for, people should be allowed to self-improve and we should be allowed to recognize that self-improvement. I mean, no one's really exhibited self-improvement after getting called out. I haven't really seen an ability being taken. Am I wrong? Have there been people who have handled it exceptionally well? It's also hard to tell
1: because don't you need to put in that time? Like, mm-hmm. like you need to go away. Like, for a certain amount of time. I
2: think... You need to get rid of your platform.
1: Yeah. You need... Yeah, you, you really need to step away from the scene or whatever project you are involved with. I guess I'm hung up on, like, because this is, like, cultural policing. Like, who decides that amount of time? Who uh, decides that you've put in the effort and care to come back.
2: Yeah, I think we touched on this in the Cam Duchet episode. I think that's what this is. Yeah.
1: I think we talked about this
2: with Matt. Yeah. And you're totally right. Like who are any of us to make that call? I think we took steps towards like standardizing an accountability process. But again the problem is that not everyone hurts people in the same way. Every situation is different and unique. It comes down to your actions after Words, yeah. You know who I actually think handled it really well? Who's that? Dan Harmon. He was
1: like being shitty to uh, a female writer, and he was it was
2: Megan Gans. Okay, if I remember correctly,
1: but this was Wr- on uh, Writers of C-
2: Community. Yeah, he his apology was so good that, like, I think the the way he, he did it was the best because didn't make any excuses for his behavior and took as much accountability as he possibly could. It does appear that he's put in time and changed.
1: I feel like we've talked about a lot of this before, and I don't want to just go in circles yeah, about it. I don't want
2: to rehash this episode, especially like a really long episode of really, really intense stuff. I don't want to just go back to this well. You know? Yeah, it, it's
1: it's like just it's just something that we haven't had an example of. Like we haven't had someone put in this time um, or exhibit the the like growth in which we can forgive someone for and that that makes it tough and I've been thinking about this a lot that like this whole community policing and stuff like that like it's like not it's so far away from ideal that it's like almost silly at times sometimes I think that's even toxic you know because it's a lot of people yeah. just like piggybacking uh, someone who we see as being right
2: and almighty, <laughs> I do see like the issue here when we're just like, "Oh, fuck this person forever." Great, where do we go now? Mm-hmm. I understand that because I, I, I don't know where the the person we exiled is supposed to go. Right, but then we're getting into really sticky territory because, like, that Nicole was using to defend. Lou and Claire where are they supposed to go right well, yeah. there's a massive difference between like let's imagine what Evan like let, like just take what Evan apologized for what Evan said that he did wrong between that and all the awful shit Lou Diamond did potentially take legitimate accountability for what he did from turnover to, yeah
1: and here's, here's the thing that's happened in like an adjacent scene. Uh, the Matt from Real Estate, who then did the band Ducktails, uh, he got called out and dropped from everything. And then this was like around Christmas time. He already just put out two new songs, and people are acting like nothing happened. And
2: people are like. Into it and stuff, and yeah. Or how about actually dying coming back?
1: There's a lot more people that are upset
2: and laughing their asses off at that. <laughs> I don't know. Like the metalcore subreddit seems pretty stoked on the oh, original yeah. lineup reuniting. Good God, that's insane that that's happening.
1: What the fuck? But <laughs> <laughs> like. I'm just surprised with this whole Ducktales thing. Is like, like you would think that indie rock would be like, no, dude, you're not allowed back. But it's happening, and no one seems to care. But if this would happen in anything like punk or emo, it's like, no, not at all. And that just says a lot about this about this process.
2: It and can honestly, happen, I vast- it
1: could happen somewhere, but not
2: here. If I had to make the choice, I'd prefer the way we're handling it. The emo and hardcore scene is handling it. Yeah, that's a good point that
1: hardcore is kicking these people out. Like, Expire... uh...
2: Oh, yeah. like Zach from Expire is the person who coined the term Midwest Blood. Yep. Midwest Blood Fest. Love it. Yeah. That's putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Who
1: who else? It was expire and someone else recently. It was like stone. a stone. Well, that's the same band or the, what? Not the same band it's or, I mean, exactly. It's, the yeah, band. same same person. But there was another. the The band that was like, we didn't do this, but we're breaking up. What the fuck band was that? The way. Yes, young and in the way. Yeah,
2: um, Uh that was horrible.
1: Yeah, but I'm like I'm like glad that. Hardcore has a zero tolerance for this stuff.
2: Said some like really whack shit in their statement that was like, it's right to name their abuser. In case, they must be mistaken." Yeah, but we're also breaking up. <laughs> yeah, we're also Gazette, too. They broke up and became cult leader because uh, allegations leveled against them. Should I
1: have known that that was? That, that's like basically the same band, Gaza and Cult Leader, because
2: I did not know that. I believe are better than Gaza anyway.
1: Well, okay. Ellie, I think we've gotten through everything on this episode. We've been recording for almost five hours straight. If you're still listening, thank you for listening. Ellie, I want to thank you for being open and insightful and, um, you know, brave. Brave enough to get on the air and talk about these things. Um, really, I think this is a cool episode that we've done, and I, I don't know. I I want to say, like, if anyone's suffering or needs any follow-up or clarification, you can always hit our inboxes. Um,
2: I just want to extend the same. Running with this idea, and I think we did a really good job committing to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you did. I think you did a really job, Good job. Obviously, thank you as well for, for being open and like legitimately. I think that I'm gonna say that it's like amazing or anything, but I think this is a pretty positive thing that we're at least trying to do.
1: Yeah, I also want to say that I mean, we're also recording this the after the morning that we found out that Anthony Bourdain committed suicide and Kate Spade also commit suicide this week that like don't talk about these things only when it happens like me- 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 mental health should always be in conversation and we shouldn't have to i mean and i'm not saying don't mourn anthony bourdain i'm just saying like these are conversations that always need to be out there and uh never be afraid to speak about um and advocate for so I'm glad that the emo community can at least like more than an accepting place to talk about this stuff. So I'm just I'm I'm just glad for that. So yeah. All right, thank you all for listening. Episode thirteen will be the next one, um, and I don't feel like we should plug anything else <laughs> at this point.